This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have a special show. We have a special show with a really good friend of mine, Adam Cox. Now, who is Adam? Well, Adam is seen as one of the top UK's hypnotherapists. He has an amazing podcast called The Hypnotist, which has now has just hit 35,000 downloads in a single month, which is crazy, hitting some of the US charts, which is insane. He works with high net worth individuals. He's worked with royalty, works with celebrities. He even has a practice on Harley Street in London, which is one of the most prestigious streets in London for uh, therapy and health and practitioners and therapies and stuff like that. And he's also a business owner of a media company. Adam, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Adam. Really looking forward to this chat. By the way, guys, if you're getting confused about which Adam we're talking about, I'm Adam S and he's Adam C, okay? Excellent. <laughs> but we, we have very similar hairstyles. That's we do, the, absolutely. <laughs> that's so, the confusing bit. <laughs> so if you guys are watching this on YouTube, by the way, you'll know and you're like, uh, which one's which? <laughs> but anyway, listen, great to have you on the show. And, you know, I think we've kind of collaborated actually probably uh, on a few occasions. And we always have fun on, on these types of uh, chit chats, right? Totally. Yes. It's, it's good. I think, I think we think in, in similar ways in the sense that we've both got very much a growth mindset. We, we're kind of not afraid to take opportunities and, and, and look for, I think, you know, those people that are confident in their own abilities, love collaboration. Those people that are a bit insecure about their own abilities, they hate collaboration because they always feel threatened. And I think, you know, it's good to connect and meet with people that are very, you know, secure in their own abilities, which, which you clearly are, which is great. Thank you. Really appreciate the kind compliment. You know, it's interesting as well when you talk about uh, collaboration is that it's also, I suppose, in a way, people's uh, false sense of uh, insecurities as well. You know, because, you know, we all like to win, right? We're all trying to compete against each other. But actually, in this day and age, best thing to do actually is to really collaborate, work together, because we're all kind of working towards the same goal. And, you know, do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I mean, from my point of view, the, the way I think about it is that there was a time when there was no businesses, there was no people. So the whole economy, the global economy um, has come from nothing. You know, I'm a big fan of the metaphor of alchemy. And, and from my point of view, there is no shortage of opportunity. There's no shortage of wealth. There's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of business ideas. What there is a shortage of are people that have the courage of their own convictions to pursue things. And I think that's what we need more of. So actually, you know, I'm a big fan of collaborating with those people where the the kind of the combined ingredients create something much more valuable than the sum of its parts and you see that in lots of different situations you know joint ventures are, are really positive creativity i think is so underrated just an idea an idea linked to a resource can create a business a whole a whole revenue stream a whole a whole business model and i think that's what there's a scarcity of there's a scarcity of people taking opportunities and and good ideas and and that's that's why collaboration is is something that people shouldn't fear. 
Love it. Very cool. So today we're talking about a really interesting subject, which is all around self-sabotage. And, you know, I think this is a really good topic to talk about, Adam, purely because, number one, I am a victim of that. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a victim of that. I'd probably say I'm a master of my own uh, doom, I suppose, in a way. But I think that a lot of our listeners are going to appreciate this subject around self-sabotage. But let's just talk a little bit about what self-sabotage really is, you know, from your perspective. Yeah. I think self-sabotage for me is when people either consciously or unconsciously do something that completely contradicts something that is really valuable and important to them. And, you know, it's not an uncommon thing. You know, we're, we're recording this beginning of February. A lot of people would have set New Year's resolutions in January to lose weight, to, to get fitter, to, you know, all these kind of things. And a lot of people are probably nodding their head right now thinking, I set a resolution and I've done the exact opposite of what I intended to do. That's, a, that's one example of self-sabotage where people will do the very thing that interrupts and prevents a very valuable and meaningful goal. And, and my own experience of that, I mean, I've had many experiences of self-sabotage, but one of them was when I, in the early days of my PR company, I, I won a, a PR agency account. So as an agency, I was also supplying other PR agencies with broadcast. And I got in with a really big agency. And they invited me to speak to the whole agency. There was like 150 people there. That could have created so much business for me. And I overslept on the very morning that I was meant to do that. Now, I thought about that a lot. And it's kind of like, why would I... I never oversleep, but I overslept that morning for something so important. And at some level, there was something, perhaps an unconscious fear or something getting in the way that meant on that particular morning, I messed it up for myself. I couldn't point the finger to anyone else. It was me that did that. And it got in the way of something really potentially valuable and important. And yet I messed it up. And, and I think lots of people have got similar experiences where, and, and it might not be a business, it might not be something financial, it might be a friendship, it might be a relationship, it might be a weight loss goal, but most people have the experience of doing the very thing that completely messes up something really important to them. And that's what self-sabotage is. Interesting, really interesting. I was going to say, uh, you make a very good point, actually. It doesn't necessarily have to be business. It could be a relationship. It could be a habit. You've uh, highlighted that. It could be pretty much anything. But are there actually different types of self-sabotage? I mean, you've highlighted a couple, but could we kind of talk about those different types? Because I'm not familiar about when we, if we classify certain different types of self-sabotage, I guess there must be different ones from your perspective. What's your thoughts on this? I think there's different causes, definitely. You know, as a, as a clinical hypnotherapist, my job is to figure out what people do at an unconscious level that are getting in the way of them living the quality of life that they want to live. So half of my role isn't a hypnotherapist, it's a detective. I've got to figure out what's the key bit that's getting in the way. And from my perspective, there's a few suspects if we're using this detective uh, analogy. One of them are fears. Now, we will do more to avoid fears than we will to pursue, let's say, our goals and our ambitions and our desires. Uh, and that's part of our neurology, you know, our brain, our neurology has evolved, not for happiness, 
not for achievement, but for survival. Mm. So we will do so much more to avoid threats and danger. In modern times, those dangers aren't predators like a saber-toothed tiger, you know, or some kind of animal or the weather that's going to kill us. It tends to be us evaluating certain things like the disapproval of other people or a failed venture that could mean embarrassment, humiliation, whatever it might be. And that activates exactly the same neural circuitry as, you know, a tiger of centuries ago would have triggered, you know, releasing huge amounts of adrenaline and cortisol into our blood, Mm. making us freeze. So fears are one of those causes. Equally, beliefs, I would say that's suspect number two. If you believe something, then at some level, how we keep beliefs is that at some level we we manifest the behaviors through something called the self-fulfilling prophecy now most people have heard of the idea of a of a self-fulfilling prophecy but in in broad terms this term was discovered i think in the 1950s where teachers were told that the the classroom of children had been uh, evaluated based on intelligence and they divided half of them up and they told all the teachers in this school that half of the students were bright and very able and half of them were not bright and would struggle to learn. And that's all they did. And the teachers that believed the children were bright at the end of like many years, they, they had higher grade averages, were more successful, more confident. And the only difference is, is that the teachers believed that they were more able. Turns out, They weren't divided up to who was bright and who wasn't bright. It was completely random, but it created a self-fulfilling prophecy where the belief meant that they interpreted um, the fact that they were bright. So if they gave them information and they picked it up quick, they would jump to the conclusion. Well, that's a confirmation bias. It proves that their belief that they're bright is, is actually true. If they didn't, they'd be like, oh, they haven't got this yet, but because they're bright, it will click into place soon. So they invested more time. But the children that they perceived not to be bright, they thought, well, why even bother teaching them? And this is all unconscious. And that created a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, these self-fulfilling prophecies exist throughout all of our lives. If you believe, for example, if we look at weight loss as a goal, that it's a struggle for you to lose weight. Other people can do it easy, but for you, it's a struggle. Well, if you believe that, and for a week you're on a diet and you look at the scales and it doesn't go down, you'll be like, oh, it's, 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 I knew it, absolute struggle for me to lose weight. And then that's gonna make you feel so unresourceful that you're gonna go back to binging on donuts and chocolate. Okay, so we have these self-fulfilling prophecies all the time. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. The belief doesn't need to be true as it wasn't with these children in order to create the self-sabotaging behavior that follows from the belief. It doesn't have to be true. And that's the the danger of a belief. So fears can cause self-sabotage. Beliefs can cause self-sabotage. Sometimes it can be in a conflict. And this is one of the more interesting bits where people have a part, and it is a metaphor, but a part of their subconscious that has a different intention, uh, a different objective than a different part. And when you've got that, it feels like civil war. It feels like there's a tug of war taking place uh, inside people. And recently I worked with a weight loss client and she was bullied. She was sexually assaulted as a child, you know, very traumatic childhood. Um, And she created this really tough part 
you know, when she was, you know, a child in order to survive. Mm. When she got older, this part didn't have a function to play anymore because she was in a relatively safe, secure environment. But this part in her subconscious had already been created and was a rebel and basically had this overall, you know, kind of tough exterior. I'll do what the hell I want to do. <laughs> so when she's like, well, I want to lose weight, this, this rebellious part is like, I'll eat whatever the hell I want. So she had this inner conflict. So there's many, many causes of self-sabotage. And I find it fascinating to figure out what's causing what and, and how to change those kind of things. And most of the time, people have no idea it's even happening. They just kind of look, oh, I've done it again. You know, and, and they, 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 they get frustrated with themselves. These are the clues. They get frustrated with themselves. They get annoyed with themselves, angry at themselves. They'll use inner dialogue to call themselves stupid or an idiot or whatever it might be. And yet a few months later, they'll repeat pretty much an identical pattern, like a soap opera storyline just plays again. And then they're like, now what do I do? Because each time it happens, they feel more and more helpless that they're not in control of the situation because they feel like, well, whatever I do, I'm going to mess it up later anyway. So why bother? Which mm. is a, a rational belief that you can have if you self-sabotage a lot. Mm. It's a good point. But there's something that's that kind of off the back of that conversation, when we talk about self-awareness of, of self-sabotage, right? So from my perspective, you have what I call the unconscious, you know, not kind of aware of the kind of your perceptual awareness if you like right and then you have conscious awareness where you are aware and you and it's kind of you'd like it's you kind of created this negative self-talk where you're already doomed to failure because you've already talked yourself into it type of thing right but love to know what your from your perspective the two differences between that and how we can improve i i i my belief is that you need to improve both uh, conscious and subconscious perceptual awareness in order to change uh, self-sabotaging thoughts. What's your uh, opinion on this one? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's a valid point. The nature of anything being subconscious is that you can't ever be aware of it while it's taking place at the subconscious level. And the moment you become aware of it, by definition, you're conscious of it. Yeah. So, you know, being aware of, of a subconscious behavior you can analyze and you can you can figure it out in hindsight like a detective finding clues but if you're aware of it in the moment by definition it's not subconscious you're conscious of it you know and and, and sometimes people have these glimpses you know there's almost like this brief realization oh, i'm doing that thing again so you can have little windows of you know capturing yourself in the moment which is great because that can actually interrupt the whole pattern and mm. you know, the, the metaphor that i use between the subconscious and the conscious is almost like autopilot on a plane and then manual control. And one of the best ways to break a pattern is that if you do become aware of something that you think, hold on, this isn't right. And then you take manual control that can actually break the autopilot pattern. So it doesn't quite fly in that direction again, but while it's subconscious, it's just autopilot taking you there while it's conscious. I mean, a lot of people think, well, if it is conscious, why don't you just consciously do something else? Well, a lot of what we do as humans is at an unconscious level simply because it's more efficient for the brain to think that way. So you, you blink and when you blink, you tend to do it unconsciously. That doesn't mean you can't consciously blink. We can all consciously blink. But if I said to you, right, next time you blink, I want you to blink three times in a row, like you're, like you're fluttering your eyelids. Well, you could do that. But if you try to do that every time, sooner or later, you're going to forget. 
and then you'll just go back to normal blinking. Sure. So it's easier said than done to, to, to kind of say, right, just take conscious control because the human brain wants to be efficient. And by it doing things unconsciously, the, what it does is it frees up cognitive resources for you to pay attention to things that it can't possibly prepare for. Mm -hmm. So the goal isn't to do everything consciously. Mindfulness is, is a good phrase to, to, to kind of classify things that you are deliberately doing consciously. And there are certain things that you would want to do mindfully. Eating an expensive meal, you should never do that on autopilot. You know, if you've got tickets to a concert or a show, do you really want to be inside your own head thinking about your tax return while you're, while you're watching some amazing entertainment? There are certain things you want to be fully present, fully in the moment, fully mindful. But actually, things like walking, if you had to consciously walk, well, you're, you're thinking of every place where your foot's going next. And it's kind of like, that's not very efficient. Breathing, blinking, you know, a lot of inner dialogue, you can, you can do it consciously, but your brain likes to do it unconsciously. So given that your brain has this desire to be efficient, the goal isn't to be fully conscious all the time. It's to let autopilot do it. But when you figure out that autopilot is taking you to directions that you don't want to go or is leading you to self-sabotage behavior or self-sabotage thoughts, because it's not just behavior that can be self-sabotaging, it can be thoughts as well. Then the goal is to figure out what those are, figure out the reason behind it. So that's where you play detective, change not the symptom, but the cause, and then see if autopilot roots it into a different way. So you can make the change and not have to kind of fight yourself because that's really where the struggle comes from in, in terms of this tug of war or where people consciously are fighting with their unconscious. And just like blinking three times each time you blink, sooner or later, you're going to take your eye off the ball and the unconscious is going to win. So that's not a good strategy. So Agreed. better to kind of work with your unconscious mind so that it moves in the direction that you want it to go to. Because if autopilot and conscious control have exactly the same destination in mind, mm. It's not a problem then at that point to let autopilot take you to where, you, where you're going anyway. Interesting. You know, I remember actually many, many years ago, and this was kind of before I was kind of where I'm at right now. But what was really interesting is that I was self-sabotaging and, and you've already mentioned that you've done this many times before as well. And a lot of our listeners, which are business owners and entrepreneurs alike, they self-sabotage, especially from financial success, right? And they're unconsciously aware of it. And what I was doing is I suppose I was creating these habits as such, all these routines, all these patterns of doing something, right? A task or an activity or whatever it might be, okay? But they were the wrong things that I should be doing in order to hit my goals, right? How common is this for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners? And, um, um, and how important is it to consciously be aware of these patterns and, and what do we do to change them? It's a weird thing because sometimes, sometimes there is a positive intent behind it. Sometimes it is. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, can relate to the experience that you've got a really stressful situation going on and you decide that's the point that you're going to sort out your desk and sort out your filing cabinet. Now, the, there, is a, there is an element of usefulness to that because actually what you're doing is displacement behavior. And by organizing an unrelated part, it's then almost like spring cleaning your mind, almost like the, the metaphorical equivalent of 
defragging your hard drive so that when you then think back to it, you've closed a lot of those psychological loops and then you've got more, more resources to do it. The same logic of if you've got 100 applications you know, open on your tablet or your phone, by just closing down all the, the, the kind of applications you don't need, suddenly you've got more processing power for what you do need. So there is an element usefulness to it, but so many people... I mean, the, the, the same people that were waiting till an hour or two before deadline to hand in assignments at university are the same people that do their tax return like the day before it's due. <laughs> and, and it's not because that's useful behavior. It's because there is an uncomfortable emotion linked to that. Mm. And therefore, they just deliberately procrastinate. They put it down the to-do list and focus on other things, mainly because it's undesirable. It's not useful. The problem is... You know, if that if that thing not only is delayed, but never gets done, and then suddenly you've got bigger consequences like fines and then an audit and then all this kind of stuff. Well, actually, at that point, it really is self-sabotage behavior. Um, and and, and, it, and it, like I say, it comes from many, many different places. A lot of entrepreneurs will do what they feel comfortable doing, not what needs to be done. And I think most entrepreneurs have read the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Yep. And they, they get the principle of you've got to prioritize what's important rather than what's urgent. And how many entrepreneurs actually do that? Mm-hmm. How many of them use the time management matrix to figure out, okay, do what's important and urgent first, then what's important, then what's urgent, but not important. And finally, what's not important at all. Very few people do that. And I think part of it is like anything neurological. You've got to get into habits and you've got to acquire those habits over time. And what will happen is the brain will do what it feels comfortable doing rather than what needs to be done. Okay. So if you are really, really good at, I don't know, admin, I'm not, but if you're really good at admin and you've got, you've got sales to make, you're going to prioritize the admin equally. If you're great at selling and you take pride in that and admin you hate, you're going you're gonna to prioritize the sales because that makes you feel good. So sometimes it's not necessarily self-sabotage, but just people, you know, in the same way that someone that goes to the gym a lot, quite often they're going to do the exercise that they're good at because it, it, it's boosting their ego, not the thing that they need to work on to give balance or proportion in their, in their life or their strength. Um, and, you, and you see these, these kind of echoes in business, in relationships in sport or i mean you human you nature know though isn't it really it's of human course, nature yeah. isn't it you know i mean you're always going to shy away from things that make you uncomfortable you're always going to fight shy away from things that you're not particularly good at or maybe you judge yourself as not being too good at something it's human nature as you said i think the interesting thing is that the high profile examples of self-sabotage are when high profile people do it you know so quite often you'll see celebrities i think you know, potentially one of the highest profile ones in recent time is probably Charlie Sheen, where, you know, he had one of the uh, highest rated TV shows at the time, you know, had a movie career as well. And then suddenly got into a string of behavior that just looked like complete self-sabotage, you know, and, and to the outside in, they're like, why would anyone in such a, a privileged, fortunate position do that? But if they believe that all of this has come too easy, if they believe that they're not worthy of the success or the acclaim, Mm. then at some level, unconsciously, they're going to do things to rectify that so that their reality on the outside matches their perception on the inside. 
And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. Sometimes when you see these kind of things, it's like, is nobody like having a chat with this guy just to tell him like, don't, don't mess everything up. But to the person that's living it, they're going to have this confirmation bias. They're going to have this cognitive dissonance where anything else that comes from anyone else, they're going to perceive that as controlling forces. They're going to use the phrase haters, trolls. They'll say, look, you oh. know, you're just jealous of my life and all this kind of stuff. Even if these people have got good intentions, they don't want to see someone mess up their life. So the problem is it's easy to notice it in other people but it's hard to admit it in yourself if there is genuine self-sabotage behavior because the ego will get in the way. It will, it will justify it. And, and you'll say, but I wanted to do that anyway. It really depends how intuitive people are and, and how responsible they are. But a lot of people, I mean, if you look at Donald Trump, for example, he's a great example of someone that will take the wins, but deflect the losses. So if something goes his way, he will, he will say, I made that happen. This is down to me. Mm. If anything doesn't go to plan, he'll point the finger and say, ah, it's because of them. They did that. Mm. Now, for people like that, you know, very, very difficult for them to adapt and change because it's never their fault and they're never taking responsibility. I mean, you could you could see lots of self-sabotage behavior from, from Donald Trump, but we can only really accurately say that because he lost the re-election if he'd have won you know hindsight is 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 2020 vision people would say he's a genius he deliberately did all these things to divide people and provoke and all this kind of stuff actually he lost so we can label it as self-sabotage behavior you know by the way guys if you're listening in okay this is not the donald trump show this is not about politics it's just a great example so <laughs> so by the way we are not by any way means our pro or negative about Donald Trump in any way, shape or form. Okay. So I just want to uh, have that <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> so all good. But listen, I was going to say to you as well, um, people's attitudes, because you talked about self-sabotage when you consciously people can self-sabotage themselves, but if they've already kind of taught themselves in a way that they're already going to kind of, well, probably likely to fail type of thing. I mean, Surely, if you need to change people's attitudes as well, as well as retrain the subconscious and the conscious mind, I mean, how, how important is that as well? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is not everything is going to go your way. Mm. And sometimes you might not get the result that you want because of self-sabotage behavior. Sometimes you won't get the result that you want through no fault of your own. It's just variables outside of your control. You know, if someone, if someone launched a travel agent, you know, in February last year, um, right prior to the pandemic hitting, they, Good can't, luck. They, they can't describe a global pandemic as self-sabotage behavior. You know, that's just, that's just, you know, shit happens, you know, but at the same time, if someone, you know, let's say saw the pandemic happening, saw all these kind of things and had the ability to adjust what they did and then didn't do it because they're like, um, no, no, things will get better. Well, you could, you could treat that as a form of self-sabotage because their belief systems are influencing their behavior, which then prevented something positive from happening. Mm. It's, it's a tricky one because it's always going to be subjective and not all, not all failures, not all setbacks are down to self-sabotage. 
You know, sometimes it's just the lack of a resourceful state. A lot of people that want to lose weight, for example, and don't lose weight, is not necessarily down to self-sabotage, just sometimes it's down to lack of discipline or lack of, you know, sticking with, with, a, with a proven way of doing it in the same way with business. Sometimes in business, it's not that they've self-sabotaged, it's just that they haven't sold enough of their product. They haven't invested enough time yeah. to work on a good plan and, and do the right marketing or, or learn the right lessons. Mm. Is that self-sabotage? I don't think so. I think it's mm. just, you know, business is a very harsh environment and you've got to, you've got to pay attention to what's happening. Mm. Everything is a learning opportunity mm. if you treat it that way. And I think sometimes failure in business has a lot more to do with the harshness of it's difficult to have a successful business and, and not so much about self-sabotage behavior, but that doesn't mean that people can't self-sabotage their own behavior in business. You see it all the time. You see people climbing up the ranks, you know, having, you know, multi six, seven figure businesses or, or more. And then they, they disappear within a few months and you think, what happened there? <laughs> was it self-sabotage or was it a shift in the economy? Like, like who, who knows as long as they learn something from it, you know, all is not lost. Mm. There was a something you said there, but I've kind of lost it, and I hate that when that happens. But hey, whatever. I know that you do a lot of hypnosis um, with a lot of your clients, and tell us a little bit about what hypnosis is and how does it, how can it make us more aware about disrupting neuro patterns in our brain in order to reprogram our and maybe become ourselves more aware of our self-sabotaging thoughts as well. Yeah. So again, because we're talking about the mind and the mind is a, is a concept, you know, the brain is something physical, but the mind is a concept. Right. Um, so metaphors are useful as a way to explain what's going on. So you can think of, you know, circuitry has been a very popular metaphor for what happens, not just in the brain, but in the mind uh, as well. So we say like, you can rewire your, your brain. And that isn't actually a bad metaphor because effectively people get that, when cables are linked up to an energy source and then an output, if they're wired the right way, you switch it and the light bulb goes on, okay? In many cases, unconscious behavior is like that. We can do it on autopilot. The, the neural pathways follow a particular pathway. So if I'm near you and I throw a ball, you've got the neural circuitry to catch that ball completely unconsciously without thinking it. And that's a useful thing to have, okay? But occasionally we've got the neural pathways in there that aren't useful okay so if people have a part of them that just have connected sweet foods sugary foods chocolate donuts biscuits or high carbohydrate food like you know uh, crisps and chips right. and things like that mm. with comfort with love with connection yeah then they may genuinely want to lose weight but a part of them is feeling sad and they think oh that's going to cheer me up so they're going to move in different directions not because they're deliberately messing things up it's just that neural pathway has linked okay that food makes me feel good and i don't feel good right now and it's a form of self-medication mm. and and that would be an example of self-sabotage based on the neural circuitry mm. what hypnosis does is it enables people to, to make a change at the unconscious level that they're not normally in control of now, we've already established that trying to do things consciously, if you've already got neural pathways that take you in a different direction, is like fighting with yourself. So it's not that good. If, however, we can go in there and, you know, I, I use a metaphor of dominoes because I think most people have, as a child have had the experience of 
lining up a row of dominoes and they click the first one and it creates a little chain reaction. Okay. And if you say that last domino is the destination, then effectively what you can do is in hypnosis is either take out a couple of dominoes. So you click the first few, but it never gets to the end. Okay. That's one thing, or you can reroute them to take it. So it starts off the same and it takes it in a different direction. Mm. And that's really useful because if you detect the early triggers of what causes self-sabotage behavior, you can then redirect it. So you rewire it in a different location that might be more useful than the previous direction. Mm. So in business, for example, you use the example of business owners getting really stressed and then spending their time doing perhaps low level activities that aren't actually going to address the big issue that they're facing. Mm. Well, that might be the trigger. The trigger is evaluating, oh, I feel stressed here. And the coping behavior is do something that you know that you're in control of because actually you feel out of control. Well, actually, if you can communicate with the part that says, right, actually, I feel highly resourceful here. And I know that anxiety is going to reduce if I actually tackle the, the task at hand. Then once you, once you do that and you notice you get a positive feeling, then that, that positively reinforces that behavior so it sticks. Mm -hmm. And then it, then it can happen automatically by itself. So hypnosis is about facilitating change. That's the easiest way of explaining it. Very cool. And I know that for some of our listeners, we're going to put a link in one of your hypnosis tracks, I believe. Is that correct? Tell us more about that. Yeah. So one of the things that, that, that I, I love doing is creating hypnosis tracks, either with real clients or just, you know, innovative tracks that help people deal with certain things. And I've done several hypnosis sessions specifically dealing with the element of self-sabotage. So what I thought might be useful for anyone listening to this, if they can relate to this idea of self-sabotage rather than intellectually hear, okay, hypnosis may help. There's going to be a link to a specific download based on self-sabotage and you can experience a hypnosis session from me. So we can tackle the root cause of your self-sabotage and help move it in a different direction. Very cool. What I was going to say, guys, for you guys that are listening in as well, what would be really useful for me and Adam would be to um, find out if you are struggling with your self-sabotage. And if you think that you're self-sabotaging and you're not sure, or maybe you've had a past experience and you want to share with it, then please come to us and share those experiences. And you can do that by either number one, uh, writing a, uh, a quick sort of synopsis on our social media. Uh, you can connect with Adam Cox, by the way, on his social media and links below. Alternatively, through our promotions, you can also um, see myself and connect with me on social media as well. And also, if you're on Apple, uh, feel free to leave a review of this podcast and you can leave a little bit of stuff on hypnosis on there. Or if you are on Android, then please go to Podchaser, P-O-D-C-H-A-S-E-R, Podchaser. And you can also listen to this particular podcast and leave a review on there. So uh, listen, Adam, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show. So really greatly appreciate your time today. Lovely to be here. It's, it's been a great chat been a great chat indeed listen guys hope you've enjoyed today i hope you have got some great value from it and if you if you've got some great value please do share this podcast with some of your friends and your contacts as well around the world so listen guys hope you have a good one and we'll see you again on the next show take care from me and adam cheers in. hey you guys i just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights, 
and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.